What's going on, everyone? Right, Welcome back to the Dapper Villains Podcast. I am Dana Blue and your host, and joined, as always, by my co-host, Jay Suchdave. Jay, how are you doing, my friend? Hey, everybody. So we have very special guests for you today. I'm excited for this, this episode. We have uh, Ksenia and Enrique from Bestium. I, I was just practicing before we went live to say the name, and they're like, "No, no, you're saying it too fancy. Stop." <laughs> you gotta, you gotta whisper it when you say it is Vestium. That's it. Sensual. <laughs> Jay, can we get some soft jazz voice, please? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. It's Vestium. <laughs> so, Cassini and Enrique, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to Jay and I today on the Dapper Villains podcast. Thank you guys for having us. Pleasure. (laughs) So you're in New York City, great city for for fashion, for for style, for a lot of things. Good bagels, great pizza. True. Great city overall. Uh, Tell us a tell us a bit about your brand because I know there's a really great story behind it. Oh my goodness, where do I start? Absolutely. Well, um, so we had a recently we had a rebranding. Um, and this is how Vestium was born. But if I go a little, I think I have to go a little back. back. A little back. back. Yeah. yeah. I did get into the suit game in the first place. Yeah, that's a great story. Well, so in the very beginning, I am from Ukraine originally. I got masters in finance, and you know, so I knew how to put a business together. And I was traveling a lot for my business in Ukraine. And on one of such trips, I met with Clifton Charles in New York. Mm-hmm. And Clifton Charles was at the time very successful custom clothier in the city. And a year later, we know we stayed in touch. And a year later, he invites me to work with him to help him grow the business. And I've always loved New York and, and, you know, I, uh, at the time Ukraine was going through some, um, crazy political, political, yeah. Um, stuff. And I was like, yeah, you know what? That's a great opportunity. So I, I came to New York and Clifton and I were really amazing. She learned a lot about the business. She learned a lot about custom clothing. I learned everything from him. I learned everything from him. We were very close and, this is at the time when, when Ian Rios was also starting his business. Mm-hmm. And this is how I met Ian. And, you know, at some point, Ian and I, we decided to um, to create Ian Rios New York. And we were um, growing the company since then. It was 2015. Mm-hmm. It was 2015. And then in 2018, no, 2017, Ian moved to Australia and you know we we came to the agreement with Ian that I would um continue running the company here in New York City and Ian would stay on as our representative in Australia and it just you know made sense for everybody and in 2 years after that we made a rebranding so I'm the owner I have a, an amazing team and, you know, it was just the time to really create something new, create a brand that wasn't like, you know, one individual centric. So, like, I always had a vision to create a bigger company, a bigger brand. And this is how Vestium was born. Great. And so you do menswear and women's wear also? Or because yeah. I was looking at your Instagram and you have these amazing 
uh, images of of women dressed in what look like men's suits, but are clearly not cup like a men's suit. They, they, it's more like something that's, that's inspired women's. by a man's suit <laughs> or a woman. Exactly. Well, this is actually one of the things that Vestums is built on that we stand mm -hmm. for. We are for men and for women, and we offer equal services. We offer equal price points. We offer mm -hmm. equal products to both men and women. And that's why when you go on our Instagram, it's always, you know, we always feature both. We all, mm. um, it is all about the equality and inclusivity. Nice. And Enrique, uh, so what's your role in all of this? I, thank you for asking. I was about to jump in there. So I'm kind of like the the man behind the woman. Um, I, I, I'm not formally part of the company, but of course, uh, we talk about everything. She, she's like, um, I'm like her her biggest advisor. I help her with a lot of copy, you know, um, and I help her kind of find the voice and I'm kind of like her, her last line of like, um, you know, advice, you know, when she really needs to be told the truth, I'm brutally honest. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I mean, and Enrique was a big part of uh, rebranding because I was there when he was like, uh, you got to rebrand. Like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> because, because Ksenia has two accounts, right? And, yeah. and, and she's what, like, it's such, a, the best it's such a source of inspiration because inspiration. you know how she is like this smiling and all that like this is really her like she's yeah. always smiling positive i do business with her i sell i do I, you know i sell fabric sometimes i make mistakes and stuff like she's really that nice so um uh, I was like, Ksenia, you're the brand. What is who is Mr. Ian Rios? Why, why are we uh, having two accounts? One is a business account and one is your personal. When uh, this custom business, we all know that it's about the stylist. It's about the trust that the customer comes in to get with the stylist. It's not like a huge franchise brand. It's it's more personal. So, um, you know, why do we have these two things? And then uh, uh, one e evening in New York, uh, I spend uh, time at their home and uh, we got really, really drunk. And um, <laughs> you know how like the, you know, 1 a.m. business plans and stuff. And we're like, let's do it. Colombian Aguardiente. <laughs> I think we did out of the uh, cow foot, <laughs> yeah. and then and then the red label. Yeah, bro, like it's for real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I like the way you describe your uh, your role and kind of your position there, Enrique. Because I have a a very similar relationship with uh, my wife and her business, and her with mine as well. So, like, I, I really understand that kind of yeah. uh, that that sort of working hand in hand, but not really being part of it. So, and, and I work in architecture, so it's not totally unrelated as mm. far as design and detail and, mm. you know, uh, you know, a lot in architecture is about defending a position. You know, you have to, anybody can draw, anybody can design something, but now how do you defend it? And what's the argument, yeah. you know, what's, how do you justify and what's the argument? How do you build an argument around it so that when all the vultures come, you, you protect what's important. And that's yeah. sort of like the, the perspective I give her with this, it's like, you know, when you're building a voice, when you're building a brand, when people talk about fashion, when people talk about what's comfortable, you know, there's always, you have to just take a position yeah. and defend that position. And that position is, you know, about the lifestyle and the culture of clothing and, and fashion. And it's really kind of like, you know, that, so that's kind of when I go back to that, 
advisor, <laughs> editor. Uh, I, I never never thought of it that way that architecture would have such a similarity in in custom clothing. But it's uh, I've been told about this by several custom clothiers that um, <laughs> closing the deal. Uh, the deal is only close if you deliver the suit. Delivering the suit is the most important thing for a man because, as a clothier, because that man after wearing your suit will be criticized all the time. Somebody will come yeah. and say, oh, this is bad, this is bad. That confidence that you leave, the last impression that you leave for that person will help him defend himself wearing your suit. Yeah. And he has to live that ethos. You know, if it comes down to, this is about sustainability and having a sustainable wardrobe, or if it comes down to this is about success and this is my image of success. But yeah. you, you give them an ethos that they embody, and you know, and suddenly it's more than a garment. It's like a whole meaning behind it, and and that richness and that layer. And that, that's the kind of thing that people want from a custom suit. That's why they get a custom suit. The story. And the experience yes, and the attention to detail, you know. Very interesting. Very well said. Great way to put it, guy. I, you know, I'd like. <laughs> yeah, I'm like. <laughs> what about what about finance world? Did you see? Do you see any um, uh, similarity? Well, finance, you, you, I guess you would have to use for accounting and stuff <laughs> in business. But, no, but, uh, finance helps a lot in, um, you know, running a business. I'm terrible yeah, so at math. Uh, at uh, MSD. No, no. <laughs> Who manages the expense? <laughs> I actually love, you know, I, I think, I think what, um, you know, if we are like being honest, honest, I think why, you know, I was able to take the, you know, in Rio's New York and make it into this amazing brand costume is also because my love for numbers, you know, like I love numbers. I love, like I have, <laughs> I have so many spreadsheets, like, you know, it's it's like my hobby. <laughs> I, I love, you know, like going through like bank accounts, like input data, like it's my way of having fun on Friday night. <laughs> and the number side to the fashion too, when you think about accessorizing and like threes and fives and sevens, you know, she's yeah. thinking about this like you know, okay, if you're going to add this, you're going to need that. You know, it, it's an interesting way that the numbers play into the styling as well, you know. Yeah, I like the way, too, like, the idea of, you know, having an architect as, like, sort of an advisor because architecture is very much about, you know, telling a story with a physical apparatus, you know, and lines and emotion and attachment. And a lot of times style is very much about telling a story with fabric and fit and line. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I, yeah, it's interesting to see that play. So I think yeah. I'll, I'll, you're absolutely right. <laughs> and when we started dating, and when Enrique, you know, he got exposed more and more to the whole process, like you told, yeah, like even like to your colleague, to his colleagues, he was he was saying that, yeah. oh my god, so many similarities. You know, like even in architecture, you go through in architecture, like when you're looking at. You know, when you get a, when a contractor sends you a submittal and he, you know, you have, you know, you have to then look at that and approve it or go back to your specification book and see, well, what was the the argument? What was the ethos? What was actually contracted for you to buy? Is really what yeah. that is. But, you know, and you compare, is this suitable equivalent? Is Does this meet the specification? And it's like, sort of like, like the same process of you, you're getting a book, you're getting swatches, you're approving, you're not approving. You know, you're sending it back, you're marking it up, you're putting notes. There's something very um, architectural about the execution process. 
that to me was like super fascinating. I was like, oh my God, this is just like a submittal sample. Like, you know, are you going to reject it? Are you going to approve it? Like, (laughs) are you going to, you know, send it off for fabrication? Like, it's like, is it a go? Like, (laughs) you know, that sort of project management aspect to it. Yeah. Yeah. It was very cool. So we have our our supervisor here that wants to say hello. (laughs) The boss coming in. Our boss is here. He's making, he runs a tight ship, let me tell you. (laughs) He runs a tight ship. Hey, Bowie. His name is Bowie? Bowie. What's what's Bowie's breed? I never knew that. Oh, sorry. He's a little. He he looks like a Labrador, but like tinier. He is a a Shiba Inu mix with a Cocker Spaniel. So he's a puppy forever. (laughs) He's a puppy forever. Oddly enough, Bowie's the same name as my uh, Thai teacher. Oh. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny! But we named him after David Bowie. Yeah, David Bowie. Okay, oh, how old is he? I, you know, I made a suit lining for David Bowie. He's just, not for the man, but it, as a, uh, his painting for someone who's a fan. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Um, right. Is he still alive? Good boy. No, he passed away recently, a couple years ago. Yeah. And he was reincarnated in Bowie. <laughs> no because if he's alive then I'll, I'll cut that and just change that story and say I made the suit for David Bowie <laughs> no one I, I, he had a, he had a tie on. I don't care Who, how are you going to prove it <laughs> oh Jay 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 <laughs> am I fired <laughs> Not, not from the podcast, but when your partner's here. <laughs> so, so, guys, tell me about your your line. So, you talked about like the brand, and like you went through the rebrand, and you have, you know, you you equally represent clothing and style for men and women, and I, I think that's really great. But you know, tell me, bring me more through the, like the story of the lines and, and what it what it represents, where your inspiration came from, and, and who it's for. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. So, wow, there's so many questions in one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a great package of questions. You buy one, you get 28. <laughs> yeah. So, Vestium, you know, when we were thinking and when we were on a path to um, brainstorming and designing, you know, how Vestium is different, um, we realized that we do not want to create a brand that would be either um, one way or like another way. You know, we didn't want to get stuck in the past um, and we didn't want to go like so far in the future that we would forget some transitions of, you know, like the true tailoring. So Vestium is built on um, respecting the uh, traditions of um, classic tailoring Mm-hmm. but with a twist, so with a character, mm. um, with like really cool um, individualistic, you know, opportunities when you design your clothing. So actually, actually I do have some of your photo shoot. Uh, it's, it's a folder called edited, use them on, on all caps. So, <laughs> so uh, the photographer is really making sure Ksenia has to use them. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you see from the pictures, it's 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 uh, it's it's unique. It's got some like uh, 
fashion brand element to it, like a Xenia Loropiana kind of like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. You know, a a poster you would see kind of deal. Exactly. But it's it's still custom. It's very bespoke for you. Exactly. Right? exactly. Okay, pull that up, Jay. Oh, it's gonna take a few seconds, but you continue. Okay. No problem. <laughs> Yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. We, you know, we we wanted to keep them. You know, we we all we respect the traditions, right? Like we respect the the classic cut, but also we understand that people, you know, custom clothing industry is changing. You know, like we people, uh, they not just like want a tailored cut, but they want to express their you know character. Um, in clothing, so that's why if when you go on our Instagram, you can see that the um, the spark, you can see the the empowerment, you know, even like in, in people who wear it. It's it's all about the beautiful. Uh, look at that. Oh yeah, this is from the other shoot. This is from yeah. the. Uh, so we had a couple. This, of we shoots. had a studio shoot, and then we did a couple site site shoots. This yeah, is, uh, from the editorial. site. Yeah, our editorial. All of the fabrics are actually um, from Huddersfield. I'm, I'm going to cry right now. <laughs> You're building on what uh, Ksenia is saying there. It's like there is, you know, I, I don't know who could attribute this quote to, but there is no creativity without restraint, you know, without con constraints. So without constraints, there is no creativity. There's nothing to prop against them, you know, and in architecture, you absolutely know this, you know, you have, Life safety thing to consider. You have, you have, you know, your your slice of that pie to express yourself is like really small, and it's within that small confines, within those constraints. That's where all the creativity, that's where all the expression, that's where all the innovation, and that's where everything goes wild. Because you know, at the end of the day, you have physics to contend with. You have, you know, you have your your, your fabrication processes to contend with. You have all the interested parties. You know, and, and for, for fashion, and you'd have to say, you know, you have the social norms, you have the office culture, you have, you know, what what can they make? You have a certain, you have certain constraints to work in, and then within that, you create unlimited um, variety. You know, and that's, yeah. that's essentially yeah. why uh, what's very exciting about suits, I and mean, it's like exactly, I love it, and, I love and, and traditional exactly. fashion. Yeah. So, for example, you know, because we are lover lovers of um. Um, I, I don't want to say traditional cut, but we are lovers of traditions, of traditions of you know <laughs> custom clothing, and we want to preserve that. You know, we don't want to go um, and cut something that would not be possible to wear in five years. You know, yeah. like yeah. our ideal is while we do want to create something that's. Uh, maybe a little bit different, but mm -hmm. our ideal is that if you go 10, 20 years, right, in, a, in, in into the future, you'll still be able to wear that because the cut, because the quality, you know, the, um, it, it is still... It's future-proof. It's future-proof. I love <laughs> so, it. So uh, we could time it. travel 100 years in any direction and, and people would just be like, oh, hi, here's a table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, when I look at your, your designs and, and the clothes that you make, especially like the, the two photos Jay brought up, and especially the, the last one, the woman in the, the beautiful jacket there, you know, the details, there's something about it that, that's very feminine and beautiful and soft and, and yeah, sensual yeah. in a lot of ways. But then... Yeah. There's something about it that's really disconnected from women's fashion in, in another way. Exactly. Yeah. 
I am so happy that you're saying this. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, as, as custom clothiers, as a custom clothier, I, and as a, as a woman custom clothier, I, I start working with a lot of women who find us through our social media and through, even through my personal page. And to be honest with you, the, um, the effect that fast fashion had on women's understanding of, of fashion is, 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 is huge. And, you know, you have to always fight, not, not even fight. You have to kindly educate them why we cannot make dress pants um, same as they would wear leggings or, you, you know, like um, there is a way that, that women get, um, get used to shopping, right? Especially yeah. that um, they can just buy tons of stuff online. They, they know they can always return it. With yeah. custom clothing, you know, I mean, I'm sure, you know, if, if we mess up, there is, like, you know, we can return. But mostly it is something, you know, you buy, you keep. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of women, this is not the way how they always used to shop. So there is one, there is education, um, what custom clothing is, what it means to buy something that is custom made, educating them um, on the cut, on the fit, on the on the fabrics, you know, that 100% wool, even though with, oh, <laughs> sorry, man. Someone has mail. <laughs> that ding was like, boom. <laughs> I muted. So anyway, I, I was going to add to that, which is part of what we were talking about, ethos, defending mm-hmm. an argument. You know, and part of what Vestium is about is branching out to more than just the fashion and and, and kind of becoming, um, you know, what's the word, uh, proponent or propagandist, <laughs> you know, for, for this fashion. And part of it is educating people. And so part of it is the media content, the content that comes out of the voice of Vestium. It's not just clothing. It's, it, you know, we'd hope that, um, you know, it becomes a resource as well. Like, so some of the things she's talking about, people need to become accustomed to this way, you know, and we're seeing now that a lot of things are changing. And I think, you know, retail, I work in architecture, you know, it is a big discussion. Retail is on the decline like you can't imagine. I mean, everybody knows these dead shopping malls all over America, but, you know, is it even going to exist as a building type? in 10 to 20 years and and this what we're going through now is only going to accelerate um what we're seeing in retail so you know the whole process of disposable fast fashion might be coming to a close sooner than we realize if we're here trying to promote an idea of sustainable fashion responsible clothing you know durable long-term wear and all that but it's also about educating you know what's the value that you're getting out of that when you buy a ten dollar shirt from express um, it looks great on a 20 year old, you know, but uh, I, I, as you guys know, like the the luster, the iridescence, the quality of fabrics when you go up in price is going to have a huge interplay with your skin tone and your skin mm. texture. So a 40 year old person putting on that $10 shirt is going to look older is, it, you know, and putting on a more a richer fabric that has more light play, you know, that going to give them free Botox, essentially, <laughs> you know, natural Botox. And, mm. and like, so educating people about the qualities of fabric and the qualities of light and those sort of ethereal qualities that, you know, maybe we do know about more in design and architecture and art, 
in the art world, you know, color theory and things like that, skin tone. You know, this is information that people don't really necessarily have. Therefore, they don't see the value of custom clothing, mm -hmm. creating a palette specifically for the skin tone, creating a texture specifically to enhance, you know, their skin texture and their vibrance. Yeah. So all those things is part of, I think, the content that Vestium mm -hmm. you know, sort of hopes to, to represent. And in this time, you know, where it's like, you know, just it's, you know, we, we've been finding, um, a lot of kismet, a lot of serendipity in the way that events have been unfolding, you know, even with the launch of her brand on February 20th, you know, that would have been canceled March 20th, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, but everything that's happening and the pivot that the company is making is completely, you know, aligned with the goals that we were trying to achieve. So it's just, you know, uh, you know, obviously we, we have a lot of, compassion for what everybody's going through but we're also kind of stepping back and seeing the serendipity of the world taking a breath taking a beat sure. you know and and what's going to come is i think um you know so i had a friend that said like oh my god the world's going to be so messed up after this and i was like no like you're wrong like the world will be more beautiful than we ever let ourselves realize you know mm -hmm. and we'll we'll be stronger and smarter and brighter for for it you know I love it. I love it. Yeah. I feel like the situation is making us more cynical in a way, making us further apart in a way. You can't talk to strangers anymore. We can't. We can't. Uh, you know, we can't uh, hug random person anymore. We can't shake hands anymore. to do that elbow stuff. I'm like, I'm missing all these basic things. You gotta that, buy knocking uh, a hug robot. That's gonna be a big, big product in 2021. <laughs> uh, Ksenia and I first met in person in Piti Umo, and um, I was looking through some pictures, some cool pictures to show, but um, I found this one, and I really want uh, you to explain what happened here because I, uh, I think this is the first time I'm seeing this picture. <laughs> first of all, who is this guy? What was he wearing, and why is that cigar so damn big? <laughs> I honestly cannot even explain what that is. I think this guy, you know, this is his signature style and this is his signature accessory. I, I have right, no so idea what this cigar this is made guy, of. This guy clearly is what's, what's known as a peacock. All right. So Piti Umo is like, it's it's basically like a, a men's fair, menswear fair, trade show. And, um, uh, because there are a lot of photographers from GQ and all that, there it's actually a serious trade show. You go and uh, buy yeah. artisanal goods from Italy and stuff, and people come and show their newest collections. And uh, somehow it became an, another thing where people would have to dress really well to be photographed and get their brand exposure. And uh, there's then, then this other group of people who really, really wants attention super, super badly. So uh, we have named them the Peacocks. And this guy is clearly, that's not Ksenia's cigar, by the way. Otherwise, I would not be uh, walking with her. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I want the yes, Jai. Only you could have uh, chosen this photo as a favorite. <laughs> yeah, we have we have 500 photos of Ksenia, and I'm choosing this yeah. one because, because yeah. it's hilarious. <laughs> I love it. That day was so great, Jai. I'm so happy that you had, you know, a photographer and we have these memories, you know, it's. Um... <laughs> so, so we had a photographer, his name was Vincenzo and uh, Ksenia was such a, um, a cool sport about it. Like she was like, oh, I'm going to go attack all the peacocks and talk to them. Like <laughs> I'm an introvert. I don't like to socialize. It's already way too much. Like I'm getting this. I'm following you on Instagram. I'm like, 
yeah and I, I, what do i do now like i have to talk to this random stranger and uh, you know pd Umo is highly uncomfortable for me but uh Ksenia was such a natural at it uh dude, dude, i'm i'm comfortable when i'm drunk you just say that you're an introvert i am yeah you, you forget that i know you <laughs> <laughs> no but it's different when i'm drunk uh, it <laughs> It's different. Like when I'm drunk, I'm hugging a random person, which is what I'm missing so much in my life. But um, yeah, yeah. You know, oh my uh, god, I remember. I remember real quick. Um, I literally, I literally <laughs> didn't know anyone at PT when I was, you know, when I booked my my trip. And here's this guy, like on Instagram, just like texts me, hey, yeah. like sends me like events, sends me, hey, I'm gonna be your bodyguard at the event. <laughs> I had like I had like two um you know choices either like totally like block him and consider <laughs> and like consider him I don't know, like a stalker or you know give him a chance and oh my god I'm so happy that we actually connected because Jai thanks to you I had I'm, I'm saving this clip I'm saving this clip to tell other chicks that like yo don't worry about it <laughs> I am actually saving here's a proof she's back with her husband and still likes me okay so, <laughs> <laughs> no no so so uh, so she, she really seems very positive i was also scared i was like because there there were these events that would happen in the evening where it's more exclusive it's done by uh magazines and stuff and um uh i was like hey you know wanna like just uh you know go together and hustle and kind of like uh get to know people and stuff and uh, but here's a person who's always smiling on Instagram and stuff. But I was like, but what if she's actually not that person at all? <laughs> really boring, and uh, you know, has like a manly voice, and she's like, eh, I don't like people, and I, you know, and, 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 <laughs> yeah. But uh, first night we uh, tried Negroni for the first time near the event because the event was delayed. Is that why? Drinking those. <laughs> yeah, Jai introduced him to Negroni. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great cocktail. Yeah. Negroni somehow became a menswear drink. I don't know how. Yeah, yeah you're right. It's like a very. Yeah. Yeah. Not enough bourbon in it for me. Yes. For some reason, everybody who drinks Negroni in menswear always tag Jai. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's me and uh, two or three other people, but I I actually switch drinks all the time, but mm-hmm. um. I drink a lot, so sometimes they might see <laughs> only the Negroni post. So I'm basically admitting I'm an alcoholic. But functioning one, but functioning one. Highly <laughs> functioning. No, but uh, one one very interesting thing um, that uh, I learned when I was uh, rolling with Ksenia during PT, she would ask a lot of same women I meet all the time, what's it like to be a woman in this industry? What is it like for you to be a woman in this industry? How do people treat you? And like, there's this strong Neapolitan woman that I, I wanted to bring Ksenia to see this Neapolitan tailor. Uh, and Neapolitans are very strong, you know, like especially female, they're very like, uh, mamma mia, no, it's it's like more <laughs> like scary, almost to the level of scary, right? And um, she asked them and like, she all, she, that lady was like, it was like, why has nobody ever asked me? It's so hard. Like men treat me like shit and stuff. And, 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 you know, like as we go on and on, I was like, wow, actually we're, we're not in the menswear world. We're, we're very awkward around women. And, uh, it was really cool to learn. <laughs> that. Yeah. yeah. I was awkward around women way before I was involved with menswear. I was awkward <laughs> in high school. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> 
so guys, Casania uh, and uh, Enrique, we have a, a set of tw- 10 questions that we ask all of our guests. And we usually drop this in somewhere during the uh, episode. So I'd love right. to run through these 10 with you guys. And I'm not going to ask them individually of you guys. I want you guys to sort of like come to a consensus. Yeah, you have to do like three, two, one at the same time. If you don't say that at the same time, we're actually your shrink tonight. <laughs> like our dating uh, game. <laughs> you guys like come to consensus. Show us that. Show us that advisor uh yeah. like relationship all right, all right. How, how did you guys when was your first kiss <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> no no it's a, a menswear uh women well now i can't say menswear anymore i'll get shot uh it's a sartorial related question yeah <laughs> you have to pretend you have never seen it before though uh <laughs> you have a <laughs> A good like oh wow first time i'm seeing this question face <laughs> well, I haven't seen him. I think she's more familiar with the uh, oh shit. so it's really the first time you're seeing it yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, right. all right so first question guys you can only use one fabric for the rest of your life linen wool cotton which one and why Huddersfield, Texas. oh shit it's your t- uh, sorry <laughs> on three wait no <laughs> wool I guess wool, yeah, wool. Wool. Why? Why? Wool. Do we have to? Oh, oh, oh that's easy. Because um, we're a wool household. <laughs> <laughs> well, wool is it's, it's very versatile. versatile. It's versatile. You know, you can it's you you can wear garments made of wool year round. You can have um, you know there 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 are different types of wool. Right, you can wear specific wools in the summers, you know, specific heavy ones in, in the winter. So it's very versatile. Yeah, I think There's if, so much if you can you're gonna wool. pick cotton, you're like you gotta live somewhere tropical because mm-hmm. there's no way you're gonna survive a New York winter. I mean, the guy we introduced before was, a, was an, a, a menswear OG. Kind of pick, he picked cotton, and it, and his answer was very interesting. Um, because he said like when it's winter, you wear corduroy, which is also still cotton. You know, oh, so, okay. so that's he how he actually he, said. Yeah. If someone doesn't pick cotton, I don't understand what they're thinking. I <laughs> <laughs> like undershirts and and sheets, and I'm like, I don't know, all wool. Like that, the could we could make it work. I've seen some wool. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. Uh, wool. I would pick wool. I would pick wool too. Absolutely. I, Texas. I mean, I have a hard time with the heat in Bangkok. <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. No, I think I think it depends a lot where you live. Um wool seersucker, sucker wool or that's cotton. Huh? Cotton. Yeah. Cotton. Yeah. Cotton. Mm. But just a quick thing about, you know, so wool, like we're in the industry, we're seeing so many um varieties of yeah. wool. Right? Super like and open weave. Uh yeah. open weave, you know, so there'll be innovation. Wool. There'll be innovation. Yeah. And <laughs> and wool, you know, is the easiest, I guess, to um to really do stuff with and innovate. <laughs> so, okay, wool. Next up, guys, your favorite menswear item and why? Oh. Menswear item. I'm going to say yeah. jacket. Jacket? Yeah? That considers as an item. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm going to go with vest. Vest. I'm going to go with vest. Nice. Like the way you think. Huh? <laughs> oh, we have some kind of consensus, huh? Consensus? Yeah. No, 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 no. no. I, I, he said he likes the way you think. So yeah, why no, best? Best is an interesting guy. answer. Yeah. Why best? Yeah. At the office, 
I, I, you know, I'm not required to wear a suit at the office. I work, you know, I've worked for big corporate, you know, I've worked for like the top architecture firms in the world. And, um, I always wear a suit. That's like, I know I'm not a project manager. I don't have like, I don't have a reason, um, to wear it. I just do because I love it because it impresses upon myself a certain, um, character. Um, you know, and what I found like through the process is that like, if I don't wear a vest and I take off my jacket, I'm just another, I'm just another regular normal normie <laughs> just wearing a tie and a shirt. And like, yeah. nobody even knows when I get up to get, you know, my water that I'm, that I'm a stylish guy. <laughs> so like I put the vest on and, you know, and even in, in like in those uh, transitional seasons, like I might do a vest and a coat rather than a jacket and a coat because, you know, I take the coat off and then I'm in a suit. I'm, I'm in a, you know, I'm in a mode, I'm in a character. I'm in a, I'm in a certain way of being that I find beneficial for me, you know, and has helped me uh, essentially, I believe has definitely played a role in me, you know, getting positions that I'm probably not the most qualified for. I did I did not realize this was so it was that important. Uh, okay, thank God I work for my dad. That's because, uh, <laughs> because you don't take it off. And and yeah. it's a very cool look and it's like instantly, you know, you can mix and match, you can wear black jeans with a vest, you know, you can do without a tie and still have the vest. You know, so you can relax, you have that mode. You know, like I had yeah. somebody telling me, like, oh, you're so foreign. And I was like, wait, I was like, all right, is that better? I took it. <laughs> <laughs> he, took he took the tie bar out and he's like, <laughs> take off the tie bar or you can take off the tie, but you still in character. So that, that's I my answer. It. I like the vest. I actually, thanks to him, I totally like um, changed my perception of vest. Uh, because of was because of Enrique, I chose jacket because maybe it is um, it has something to do with um, me being a woman in in menswear. I feel more empowered when I wear a jacket. Yeah. Um, even when I am by myself at my studio, when I'm working on my laptop, I always keep the jacket on. It's just kind of like you know became a part of me. It became um, you know like uh, the, an item that I associate myself with. Like even in the summer, if I wear shorts and a blouse, I always throw in a jacket. Same with dresses. And I think for women, um, especially who are maybe in, in a corporate world who has who have to deal with men, mm-hmm. um, I think a, a, an item like like a jacket, it just. It's, I guess it's like a, an, an empowerment piece, you know, it's, it, it adds confidence. It adds a sense of belonging, you know, I belong to this. I, I definitely want to come back to you about the women in corporate world uh, dress, uh, how, how to dress women in the corporate world and stuff. And that's very, yeah. that's an answer why I, I, you know, specifically want you here as well, because uh, right. you, you can, you can do a very good job on that for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, what's the, what's the next question? We'll move on. I just want to say first, I really 100% agree with Enrique. I love a vest uh, for two reasons. One, I you know I do I'm moving around a lot, and I like the freedom that a vest gives me, especially if, I, if I'm yeah. at the table cutting or I'm sewing. I can still wear the vest and feel okay. And then second, I do a lot of curls at the gym, and I want people to be able to see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. That's a great point. You don't have to do anything on the vest unless you like really, you know, grow your uh, 
<laughs> yeah, if yes. you go to like Burning Man, you could just do vest, no shirt. <laughs> like, <laughs> never, never. <laughs> like, uh, uh, dapper. <laughs> That's a great point. So. But, but next question, and this is this is one that uh, I really have enjoyed the answers from a lot of people, so I'm looking forward to it from you guys. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> is it ever, ever okay to wear denim on denim on denim on denim, i.e. the Canadian tuxedo? Oh, man. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say only to a Brian Adams concert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's I'll I'll say that it's definitely okay to own the whole thing, but only like uh like a spice cabinet or something. Like like I don't think it's okay to wear them all at once. But it's interesting to own the full thing, and then you're like, I'm gonna wear the vest and then something black, or I'm gonna wear the jacket and then you know, or I'm gonna wear. Yeah, I think I think the last time I owned that denim (laughs) jacket was like when I was like 15. I I just got rid of one. Yeah. That I had since I was like 15. I guess, you know, I guess like for me, it's just, uh, I'm a little biased about that because I love, um, you know, wool and um, traditional, I guess, you know, fabrics yeah. so much. I don't even, like, if I, even on the weekend, if I have a choice to wear jeans or a pair of pants made either like, you know, of cotton or wool, I think I'll leave jeans on the shelf. I don't know. I, um, it's well, it's I think partly because she didn't like grow up in the '90s in America <laughs> with like you know grunge and you know like the punk rock, the post-punk, like <laughs> all of that. And I think culturally has a big uh, has a big. I think I just got an Amazon delivery. <laughs> oh, wait, everybody. So I think all that plays a big role in that. Like, like I had a friend who was a musician and. They just came out with an album called Jean Jackets in July. Just and it's just a testament it. to like jeans culturally being part of a yeah, you know, the palette of our culture. I'm gonna step away and get this door because I think our dog's barking. I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's, let's pause. It's at 42 minutes. Yes. Uh, uh, I mean I, I said let's pause. This is at 42 minutes, but I'll I'll pull up things yeah because of the bark and everything we can definitely cut something or no no it's okay it's okay to leave it it kind of adds some character ah it's real okay, we met, okay. So, let's move on to the oh what do we got jay pulled something up yeah. here that may be interesting <laughs> the canadian tuxedo <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why the image is so small but yeah there you go that's okay <laughs> it looks, what do you think what do you think about it i think uh justin timberlake looks kind of cool is, is he also wearing a denim cowboy hat? They're, they're clearly like riding, you know, but they're taking the media for a ride here. Like, you know, they, they know what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, the truth is it doesn't look horrible, right? Hmm. But is this something um, that you can see still uh, um, popular? Or like, do you see yourself wearing this in, in five, ten years? Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't see myself wearing that five or ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think it all again adds up to the to the fast fashion world. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that particular. It looked like he was also wearing a cowboy uh, denim cowboy yeah. hat. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think you're right, uh, Enrique. That they were taking the media for a ride there. They were having they were having a little bit of fun. 
Yeah. 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 Exactly. I love it. So next question, guys, and this is a uh, this dives into the tailoring styles of the wow. world. You know, if you think about your favorite tailoring styles, do you in in what you like, what inspires you? We talk about British, Italian, or American. Like, like, which one do you like? What, what, what do you feel the most in tune with? So I have a question to that. Um, I think I am 50, 50 British and Italian. And mm. the reason for it, because I think, um, a modern clothier, if you want to be, um, and this, uh, to be accessible to a broader audience, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, you, you kind of have to take the best from both worlds. Mm. Um, Why I'm not saying American, because, you know, it is a fact that America actually took a lot of its style from British back in like after the war and and stuff. So um, I think here in America, we are inspired by the old world um, Mm. of English and Italian tailoring. I get inspired by, I think I get inspired now more by Italian tailoring, just because they always like, mixed you know they always mix styles yeah and there's always like eye opening to see like how they combine some you know different uh, styles formal mm. to formal and, and, and so on but i keep co- coming back to british tailoring because i think british tailoring is something that keeps us grounded you know as as clothiers and i think if i think the, the moment um british tailoring stops being um the leader the leader like the institution of the traditional tailoring i think the world would not be the same so they have to continue carrying on um in order for all of us to still um feel we have something to look up to you know so it's like it's the combination of both worlds for us as modern uh clothiers. yeah and, you know, I, I agree with, with what you said so like, we're in agreement and uh, I think that if you watch, uh, yeah, if you watch the popular show uh, The Crown on Netflix, um, there, you know, that show is kind of about the royal family. And but the art direction and the costume design in that show really showcases traditional um, traditional tailoring. And just watching that show for anybody that's into this topic is a delight just for that, you know. And there's a great scene where they're like interviewing um, the king and they they ask him something about um, what was the question it was like about like fashion and he said you know a great suit cut from a great fabric will take you anywhere in life <laughs> but like all the royals you know they're always they're immaculately dressed and the art direction on that show I think is a testament to what she's talking about like the standard to uphold you know and uh, the, the the attention to detail and all that. So it's a good reference, I think, to see mm-hmm. some of that. True. Mm. And then, yeah, and then the Italians are kind of taking that and, and just playing with it yes. a lot more. Yes. They're playing with it. They're being more playful. They're pushing boundaries. Yes. Where that well. show, kind of a good showcase. Even like, Italians look up to English tailoring a lot. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. No. So all we'll right. take, you know, <laughs> different worlds. 50-50. 50-50. <laughs> Now, next question is, you know, we talked about your favorite menswear item, but what's your favorite accessory? <laughs> we actually have something for you guys prepared. So I, I think these days there's only one accessory. <laughs> 
and it's the face mask. <laughs> so this I can't is put it on because of my hat. <laughs> this is the only accessory that people need to worry about these days. Yeah, and you know, getting it in a rich color that complements your skin tone. <laughs> beautiful fabric that plays with the light. That matches your suit and flatters, you know, your <laughs> that's what's most important. Where did right you now. get that that color? That's pretty cool. We actually got these. We were in March uh on the 13th. I mean, crazy. It's like it's been chasing us. We were in um Colombia in South America. My my cousin was getting married, and we just found these. I mean, we we're like watching the news. I'm like, uh, do you think we're gonna get back? You know, when we flew back. We flew back on uh, 16th. the 16th at midnight that day. They canceled all flights. We're like, holy wow. crap. We only yeah. spent a month <laughs> in Bogota. But we found these uh, when we were um, in uh, where the wedding was, which is in um, – oh, no, actually, we found these in my hometown where I, where I was born in Ibagué. Uh, and they were just selling them on the street. And now I kind of wish I bought more. But we're like, you know what? Let's grab a couple because we don't have any. And these are great because they're reusable. They have like uh, – it looks like they have some sort of carbon fiber – and I've seen weird ones uh, advertised that are claiming, and I'm like, that looks a lot like the ones that we got for like 25 cents. <laughs> <laughs> like a thousand pesos. You're going to make business out of it when you're better. Over it, yeah. yeah. Well, I should have been like, I'll take the whole box. <laughs> is, is the situation in New York, is, is it really scarce? Everything is really scarce? Like, like face masks and stuff? Or... That yes, face mask yes, yes, yes. But we were in, we went we actually went to a grocery store recently, and the walls were lined with toilet paper and paper towels. <laughs> and and I think you're seeing now on on I was seeing like on Reddit or something that people are going back to like Walmart and Target, and they're trying to return all the toilet paper they bought. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, I need some money. I'm unemployed <laughs> here. <laughs> like, so so stupid. Like, yeah, that's yeah. so stupid. <laughs> Yeah, I was, why would people are hard to come by? Yeah, why were people buying toilet paper? I don't know where they got this. It's it's just I think it's like one guy did it, and then everybody's like, "Holy shit, I need toilet paper!" Yeah. I gotta do fifty of them. But like, not yeah. noodles, not like food items, not you know, guns yeah. and toilet papers. Yes. <laughs> Guns, I can understand. Yeah, now it's guns. They're returning the toilet paper yeah. and then buying guns. <laughs> you can never have enough guns. No. <laughs> yeah, to shoot the virus. Be serious for me. The favorite item would be hat. I love hats. Hats. Mm. I, I like ties. Before I met Senya, and maybe it was part of the the kismet and why we connected. By New Year's resolution, I think it was like 2014 or 2015, was ties. That was my New Year's resolution. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna master ties. I'm gonna like figure it out. I'm gonna be comfortable. I'm gonna. So when I met her, you know, I was always in a tie. And I always looked good. I always dressed like even before I met her. Like I said, I already had that ethos for myself. You know, uh, so I think ties is my uh, my answer. I love, I do love ties. Yes. Even in the porn. Dabble with the bow tie. <laughs> What's that? Do you ever dabble with the bow tie? I have a strong opinions about that. I don't think I, I think that a, a bow tie is is a formal thing. So without a black tie, without a special thing, I think that 
with very few exceptions, and even the ones that are exceptions only because they're icons, I would say it's not appropriate to wear a bow tie. I think it's stupid. I think it's costume, and I think it's actually kind of a weird misunderstanding of what a bow tie is if people are wearing them all like, oh, look, I'm creative. I'm wearing a bow tie. I go to the office in a bow tie. I'm like, no, you look like an idiot. Why don't you put on clown shoes? That's what I think. <laughs> it's an element of pageantry uh, that I think is is actually for something. And to wear it, you know, they, you, they say you can always break rules if you know the rules. I think that's like a really, really hard line to cross. You know, there's like a architect Corbusier who always wear a bow tie and his whole ethos behind it was that life was a game and that life was a playful thing and that life meant that rules were supposed to be broken. And that he also was saying that life was extremely serious. You know, the business of being playful was very serious. So that was a whole ethos behind it. That was like, yeah, okay, he can wear it. But you know, this other guy, I don't buy it. Bill Nye, the science guy. I don't think so, bro. <laughs> I, yes, I don't know. I don't know if I can get behind someone talking trash about Bill Nye. <laughs> I love the okay, guy, next question. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, you know. <laughs> I, a lot of times <laughs> when we talk about we went under the bus. A lot of times when we talk about menswear, the, the conversation comes to watches a lot of times. And a lot of people in the menswear world are really obsessed with watches. Um I'm not one of them. Jay is starting to become one of them. And, you know, we know a lot of people who are very much, you know, obsessed with the whole horology of watches and everything. How on point do you think a man's watch game should be? Ooh. Mm. To be completely honest with you, I I work with men clients who are, for them, probably, you know, they could have a collection of the most expensive watches, but they wear an Apple watch. Yeah. I think this, you know, I think. <laughs> um, Apple is if good. I'm, if I'm being, if Go I'm, ahead. just one sec, if I'm being completely honest, I think <laughs> the world of, you know, trying like who's, who has the most expensive watch, I think that world, you know, is changing a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, just like seeing people who could actually afford the most expensive watch, but they just like, go for something simple, something that, you know, would give them time, you know, would be like more um, performance rather than, you know, right. status. Mm-hmm. I think um, that's a trend we could probably, we should, we will probably see in the, you know, in the future. But then there are also, there are people who are genuinely into collecting watches, you know, and like, and those people, I, I, I don't think they will, ever disappear but mm-hmm. i think the game of like oh you know i have this watch what watch do you have it's kind of like the remind me of peacocks uh at bt mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. who has the most um crazy outfit um i think it's personal honestly yeah yeah i'll just add that i think apple has mastered uh the ability to make products that uh are addictive and so once you put on an apple watch and you set it up all of a sudden you're like, well, you know, this Philippe tech that I had can't tell me, you know, my text messages. I can't answer my phone with it. You know, so it's like the functionality of being able to detach from your phone, especially to not be addicted to your phone. And now you're addicted to the watch, but you know, if I can step away, I can take a call, I can reply to a text, I can see my notifications. 
but I can also see my steps. I can see, you know, my heart rate. I can, you know, things like that. Yeah. To me is like, I I'm kind of now become addicted. I just can't wear, I have a great collection of watches and they're just, they're just sitting there now because none of them can, you know, you can always go double. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, but out of the collection you have, which one is your favorite other than the Apple watch? Uh, Patek Philippe. Yeah, I, I have a Patek Philippe that. Is it like a vintage one, or what number is it? But it, any specific? Uh, grab it. Yeah. Let me grab it. There's a great story behind it, also. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, that's what the watch charm of, of watch, uh, like in in menswear, what watch would be is the story behind it especially it kind of tells uh gives it a little bit more depth about the man and i I for one have been always wearing apple watches i've had debates with watch pros like oh you you guys are stupid spending on watches and shit but then for me it went reverse like because i was doing businesses with you need a rolex you need i'm like fuck you i don't need anything um but then when i started Going back into it, it, it was like listening to MP3 versus vinyl records. You know, it, it's like we already went ahead, but going back was a lot of fun. And yeah. relearning it and, you know. Yeah. So my, so this is the Patek Philippe. It's one that I like. Um, hmm. I don't know if we're trying to get into the story of how I acquired it. But, <laughs> but no, this is... And you know, actually, while I was over there for a long time, my actual favorite watch was um, was a U-boat. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cool story behind this was that it was um, an Italian uh, Air Force watch uh, during World War One. So it's it's pretty enormous. of the Of the big enormous watch faces, I really actually dislike it. But of those, I do love the U-boat. And the story behind it was that they gave the pilot an enormous size watch so they wouldn't have to give the co-pilot a watch. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, literally his watch was to just look over at the pilot's watch. They made it enormous enough that he could see it. But it's classic, modern. I mean, this is like, you know, 1917. This is this design of the U-boat is, mm. is you know, it's Italian. It's it's literally the embodiment of that early modernism. I hate so, that watch. I don't know why she hates it so much. <laughs> it's completely austere, you know. I think it's so cool. I think it's cool as fuck. It's so right? it's huge, huge, but it's not any bigger than all the other huge watches that I hate that are, that are out there. <laughs> it's the same size, and it might actually be one of the originals because it's the only one that actually has a real reason why it's so huge. All the other ones are just because like, it's baller. It's huge. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice out. Oh, All, right. All right, so moving on, who is the style icon that you guys most look up to? Ooh, I have a question, uh, answer to that. <laughs> I'm starting to think you're a politician. You're answering all questions with another question. I know, right? <laughs> um, so my my biggest – sorry, what was the question? <laughs> style, icon. style icon that you most look up to. Tacos or burritos? Right. That's the question. <laughs> so, Sarah Ann Murray. She, no. um, I don't know if you know her. She was my big 
this style icon when I just got you know into this industry and I got a lot of inspiration from her. Um, I think Sarah right now, you know, she's onto her um, different, I guess, life uh, path. So she doesn't post a lot of outfits of her. Uh, it's mostly of like her work for the magazines and for brands. But for the for a while, I think like five, seven, ten years ago. She was the one like rocking P.T. Omo as the first woman who would just like look so mm -hmm. sharp, so on point that it was just like mind blowing for me, especially, you know, like that I was learning everything. Like I was soaking up information uh, about the men's fashion, about the women's fashion. And she was so unique at that time that... Yeah, she's the style editor of the rake as well, and I mean she does yeah. a lot of cool work uh, for a lot of uh, different brands and I stuff. Feel, yeah, like even if you like Google Sarah and Murray and go to images, you can see like some like she's the pro of like layering up, mixing different patterns. Um, as you can see right now, like she's like it's mostly of like her work on, yeah. on her Instagram. But if you like go to Google, you know like. Yeah, so yeah. many images from PT, like different PT almost, um, and she would just like rock it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So Sarah Ann Maria. Actually, we should interview her too. Oh, Make it happen. Sure, sure. My, my style icon, uh, because I'm an architect and because the future is female, mm -hmm. I'll say Zaha Hadid. Ooh. Uh, not for her personal fashion, but through her work. Um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the work of Zaha Hadid. She passed away a couple years ago, very um, unfortunately, you know, taken before her time because, you know, I don't know if you could pull up anything of Zaha, but that is, I think, the embodiment of, you know, sensuality and um, experience through, you know, architecture and, you know, both playing with light and everything. It's, it's, uh, Pretty um, amazing body of work. She's in yeah. architecture. Yeah. Yeah. Zaha Hadid. Z a a Hadid. H a d i. If you do an image search for Zaha Hadid, uh, you just see her work, and you'll see instantly the connection between, you know. That's her, right? But uh, her. instantly the, the connection between her, her yeah, style. Well, I'd say the style of her work, not her personal fashion. Yeah. Um, you can pull up one of her buildings, Jay. Let's yes. do it. Bro. I got it. So oh, that two cents. Yeah. So where was she based out of, Enrique? Um, I think she was Iranian-born or maybe Iraqi-born, but she was considered American. Hmm. She was based in New York or somewhere else. Uh, she was pretty global. I think I, she did have an office in New York, and I think that's a big part of it. I think she also had offices in, in you know, London, in Europe. She, you know, her firm, her, the body of work of her firm is, is pretty prolific, and I think it'll, the influence will be felt um, forever. Yeah. You know, we're only just, uh, yeah, we're only just. Uh, uh, oh, so she designed this building in Naples. Uh, I, this is her Wikipedia page. Hmm. Sure. I mean, I think she's got a lot more impressive work than that. But yeah, I, I mean, there's one in New York on the on the High Line. Yeah, I mean, her new building that just opened on the High Line. 
Also, she's very much a, like a designer of brutalist uh, architecture. No, that always, that's why I'm thinking that that work must be very early and old. Uh, it's the. Let me see. It's a very graphically dynamic type of architecture. I, I want to she, show this. This is in like literally in New York City. Look at this. Look at this building. Can you see that? Can you see it, guys? No, you have to share the screen. Yeah. Oh, got a chair. Share. So. All right. Can you see now? Oh. Uh, so yes. that, that's a recent building where you could see these details, how playful she is with structure and, you know, mm. space and form. And yeah, it, it's all very. Just go that down. is in New York. That's, yeah, that's, oh, yeah. That's, that's, dope, that's like that. going, getting into the in the future or something. Look at this. But you see like this, like look at the, the fold. Right. And I mean, and that's stone, but it looks soft. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. No, it's amazing. Maybe scroll up through some of those just real quick. Oh. And, you know, okay. you see some of the work, the complexity of the work. Um, Zurich Airport. Zurich Airport, yeah. So oh, that that's my yeah. two cents. You know, these crazy kind of uh, geometries wow. and the way that these buildings come together. Um, no, she's amazing. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely not brutally. I think she's in a she's in a category all her own, and uh, a lot of people now you're seeing imitators now, um, kind of coming to the surface because you know the influence of her is really profound, and unfortunately, you know architects are known to work into their 90s. You know, mm. a 60 year old architect is considered young. They're like just getting started. <laughs> uh, usually, you know, you're not even you're not you don't even have a grasp of it till you're like 50. So, you know, she was just getting started. You know, it's, it's sort of a loss. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. So, moving on, then moving on, and I, I think I have a feeling what Enrique is going to say for this one. So, uh, based on what he's talked about already, but how formal should a man be on a daily basis? Mm. Okay, you can go. <laughs> well, I, I would say right now, given the circumstances, I, I would say, you know, a tie is optional. But maybe just relating back to what we're going through right now, I think it's extremely important that you at least um, put on a, a dress shirt and maybe not like dress pants like I'm wearing now. Even though, you know, you guys can't even see the pants, but it's it's all about getting into character right now where mm -hmm. we're, we want to respect um, you as our host um, and also likewise reciprocate because you're, you're coming into I our think, home and be a host. Excuse me. I think you should have this like uh, stand up challenge. Stand up so challenge. Oh, no, no. no the, the bottom of this does not look like the top at all. I'll say, and given the circumstances, I think that people should strive to at least put on at least jeans, you know, or dress pants if it's khaki or dress pants, maybe not necessarily suit pants, full suit. But I think it's important to strive to to get fully dressed, uh, maybe not a tie, but like like you were saying, like a, a vest kind of gives you, a, um, I don't know, it gives you a, a body armor or something. Mm. You, you're getting dressed for the role. It's also really important. I couldn't agree more. Like for 15 days straight, I've been wearing shorts and t-shirts. 
And yeah. I almost forgot what it's like to wear a, a, a shirt or making an effort. And then and then I realized how happy I felt because it was like respecting yep. myself. Exactly. I was not being just like a slump, like, oh, you know, it, it yeah. was like, you know, I, I, get, I feel energetic. I have to have the, you know, that rush again. And shit. because like, this is not a holiday situation. It is kind of depressing, too. So yeah. um, it's not like, oh, you know, at first I was appreciating the, the, the freeness of this thing. Yeah, but yeah. then, it, but then it started getting depressing, and I was like, "Yo, this uh, wearing clothes, uh, good clothes that I own, lifts me up too." So, absolutely, we actually had, um, we actually had um, from Vestium, we had this dapper from home uh, online happy hour. Yeah, and the reason for that was, you know, it's been like two weeks. People are working from home. Probably everybody feels like a little down, and we created this like. Um, happy hour, right? Where you would have to dress up. And yeah. a lot of people like texted us saying, Oh my God, thank you for giving us the reason. I'm gonna wear makeup today, you know, like thank gonna... you for giving us the reason to dress up, right? Yeah. Because the truth is the clothes that we wear um directly directly has an effect to how we feel ourselves, right? Like the way we even like respect ourselves. And I, I feel the same, you know, I feel the same. I know the question was about men, but even like, you know, myself, I, every time that I put a full on armor, mm. a suit, a shirt, a tie, I'm a tie person. And, mm. you know, I feel like I can just like rock yeah. the world. Yeah. And, you know, I think if you asked this question two weeks ago, maybe the answer would have been a little different. But now that we have this new reality that people are staying at home, uh, it is now more than ever to make an effort. I hope when this airs uh, two weeks from now, none of this is relevant because yeah. uh, the world has found a cure and uh, Donald Trump yeah. is booted out. But uh, <laughs> chance God, this will still be applicable. One yeah. Or two from now. Uh, to recap that, I think it's it's three kind of pillars here. One is... One is self-care, like you're saying, nurturing a positive state of mind, extremely important, yeah. you know, nurturing yourself. Uh, two is when, you know, if you're really going to be active, I think it's important to maintain the video thing. So it's about respecting the person and being a good host because, you know, you're bringing someone into your home and this might be the new normal. And so we have to really, you know, especially those that are doing business right now, you know, you have to give that confidence to your clients. You have to give that confidence to your team, even your internal team, just your teammates. You gotta be like, oh, this guy woke up today, you know, to kill it. So it's about respecting and inspiring others. And then the third pillar of this is really, it's about um, structure and organization, which kind of ties into everything. But, you know, at seven o'clock, like I'm gonna take off this tie, I'm gonna take off this vest. And I know that I can now relax because oh. you're having a problem with the boundaries. I mean, like when this first started, you know, getting everything set up. I was staying up all night meeting deadlines. I was like, when does this end? You know, everybody's like finding spiritual enlightenment. And I'm like working till four in the morning, like on at home because I got a deadline on Friday. And, you know, it's so it's kind of like you got to have help to create that sense of structure to like, I'm ending my work day, you know. I'm opening up YouTube. Now I'm going to take off my tie. Like, so 7 o'clock at night, pants off. Pants off, you know, sweatpants, <laughs> you know, then you relax. But if you don't impose that structure, you know, this this could go on for a while and it like people could descend into madness. And the only way to do that is through our traditions, you know, like look towards our traditions, look towards, you know, uh, 
that uh, devotion Great and that time. and all that. It's really yeah. important to keep up with and to help kind of create a structure in your life. Great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for Very me, well I work from home almost every day. And uh, my my design studio is downstairs that my wife and I work from. So, you know, and I have the podcast studio up on the second floor. Our living space is up, upstairs. And so I get dressed every day and go downstairs for work. So I put on what I'm going to work yep. in and, and go down and do what I'm going to do that day. And so sort of like the, the self-quarantine thing hasn't been much different for me. And yeah. for her, other than that, you know, we can't take long lunch breaks now and go out to our favorite restaurant because restaurants are closed. We have to get delivery. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, like for, for me, I I, go, I hit the road and I have to wear suits and I usually have photographers with me where I go. So I, I kind of have to dress up. Uh, at first, I was really happy about wearing shorts and T-shirts every day. But then uh, that routine, everything you said was on point about the three pillars. Yeah. I really yeah. like your answer. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think the structure like in, you know, I struggle with this. My wife struggles with this as well is the boundary of. Yep. of working because we work from home and like we're just downstairs working all the time i mm -hmm. popped up there to, to do this podcast and i'm sure she's downstairs right now we're, we've been making masks since the uh there's a shortage in thailand so she's downstairs making masks you oh, know, wow. when we're done with this i'll go downstairs and cut some more fabric for a few hours then go to bed you know so wow. we we also struggle with that separation yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and clothing and the way you dress is a way to kind of give yourself a mental cue, yeah. you know? Yeah. You know, and now you're getting the relaxing clothes and um, you, you put that aside. You say, yeah. more for today. Yeah. And now I'm going to watch Tiger King. And <laughs> <laughs> I just watched the first episode. Dude, that's the best shit on Netflix right now. It's, it's yeah. crazy. We made a decision not to watch it because we we need to be productive. Yeah, and then we just get sucked in. <laughs> the, you know, I, I hadn't watched it. We haven't been binging at all. We haven't been binging Netflix. Yeah, so I hadn't watched any of it, and then I was talking with my wife today. I was like, the memes have just been too good. Yeah. Like, I need to see what it's all about because of the memes. And she's like, yeah. okay, we'll watch one episode. We watch one episode, and she's like. She's like, that's Florida, right? Like that, that's like what you talk about, <laughs> talking about Florida. I was like, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Wow. Yeah. So oh, all right. Next question, guys. To tie or not to tie? That is the question. To tie. We're I'm a tie family. family. We are tie family. <laughs> I knew it. I, I knew before I even asked it, that was the yeah. answer. Yeah. But you know what? Um I think like right now, right? It's um right. People are, people are, I think for, for a lot of people, especially from the corporate world, um, and I have like a, a business partner who is like, oh my God, like, I'm so happy I don't have to wear a tie. You know, like when mm -hmm. Goldman Sachs, like they allowed no ties, yeah. a lot of people felt like, finally, we don't have to wear ties. Like, you know, for us, it is a part of the style, right? Like you yeah. put on a tie and it's like, and you feel great wearing a tie. But I think it also has to do a lot with, um if this is your choice or that or if you were forced to wear ties part of your business yeah, yeah. uniform. Right? They say like success is different for some people. For some people, success means I don't have to wear a suit. Exactly. I don't have, and for some people, success means I'm wearing a suit. It's all yeah. personal thing. I think for us we're a Thai family. Even during these times, I'm not every day, I'm not as strict with it, but like I was saying, like to help 
boost my mental state to nurture to myself, structure. to have structure. Um, you know, I'll put on a tie, I'll put on a vest, I'll work. And then, yeah. and then it's the pleasure of taking it off. Yeah. You know, maybe that's what people, people <laughs> actually, maybe they like it because they, they just come to love taking it off that they think that they think what they want is to not wear a tie. They do want to wear a tie. They just want to take it off. <laughs> <laughs> they like that feeling that like, I'm done, you know, boom. Yeah. I okay. came home, relief. Yeah. So maybe maybe you will see a trend back to tie just just so that people can be like, I just love taking it off. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I hate I wearing it. Take it off. You know? <laughs> so yeah. how about Bowie? Does Bowie have a tie? He has a bow tie. He has a bow tie, yeah. Oh, wait, oh, wait a minute. We just had a whole tirade about yeah. bow ties. <laughs> it's a dog. He, he's a... For him, a tie would be would be hard. To <laughs> it's a life thing for him. <laughs> At first, I thought the name Bowie was because of the bow tie, but then it kind of. Uh, <laughs> last question on the ten. You know, oh. last question for the ten that we have. You know, cinema is such a big part of of style of fashion. Which movie character for you just oh. has that style game unlock? Definitely for me personally, hands down, Batman. <laughs> Batman, not Bruce Wayne. Uh, Batman. Okay. Why? I thought you were gonna say John Wick. He always says, no, uh, "I want a suit that John actually, Wick wears." John Wick. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> Batman is a, uh, you know. It's too expensive. All that. It's going to be hot, too, right? Yeah, I know. John Wick, uh, especially, you know, performance fabrics. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, just having that lethal personality. <laughs> John Wick will be my uh, fashion icon. John Wick yeah. has kind of those looser fits, right? Because he's got like that, that movement in there. Yeah, no. exactly. I think yeah. you just wear Huddersfield textiles. <laughs> fabric that have natural stretch in them. <laughs> uh, this part I'll boost uh, for for promotion ads and uh, put uh, special dollars on it. But like, like, you, you get, you get another one because you get another one. What would you pick? Huh? What Just would you, you pick? It's yours. You know what? I am so bad with names. Like I have, I'm very visual, so I I have this picture in my head of a few movies. But I think for me, I'm not so much um, into like holding off into the like one character. I'm always looking for like new inspiration. So like one thing that I remember in the name, the name and I really um, love that movie was Knives Out. Did you guys watch it? Oh yeah, great movie. Knives Out, great movie. Great style, you know, like very British, yeah. like inspired. Mm. Like every character was so on point with their like, you know, styles. So for yeah. me, I'm always like, you know, constantly like looking for inspirations. And um, yeah, so there's like no just no, like one uh, movie. Yeah. I and mean, we, we mentioned the crown, the art direction yeah. and yep. the uh, the wardrobe yeah. uh, styling and the crown is also a good example. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And so those are the 10, but you know, there's definitely a lot of other things we want to dive in here. And I know Jay has some questions about, you know, being a woman in business in New York where, you know, 
you know, I've never lived in New York, but I've been to New York a lot. And, you know, there's definitely a, an alpha male mentality sometimes in yeah. the business world. New York uh, totally is alpha male uh, mentality. So I ask you this all the time. So um, w- what is it like to be a woman in, in the alpha male industry? I love it. <laughs> it's definitely, um, I think we had this conversation before, but sure. Um, I think as a woman, I think right now it, it's, it's easier, even though as a woman, I still have the same challenges as any other professional woman working um, in the business world. But what I want to say is for me, when I was just getting started, especially after my, um, the face of the brand, right? Like Ian, when he moved to Australia and I was pretty much, you know, mm-hmm. left to myself um, to handle all of our clients, to handle all of the, you know, communication. That's when I realized I have to either have to step up my game, like, you know, instantly or, you know, it's, it's not going to work. And I remember when I was just like building my reputation, right? Like I, I had some clients who expected a male when they, you know, would come to us and <laughs> and they were like, oh, oh, you know, like I, I could I could sense uncertainty, but then, you know, I would always over deliver. I would always, you know, do my best. I would always go extra mile. And I think if you do your best, if you, you know, work hard, at some point clients especially men there is this tendency that they you know that they trust you right and they love working with women with women they love um the women touch because you know the truth is a lot of men are dressing up for women <laughs> right it's true you know they want to be liked they want to be um attractive, attractive. <laughs> so there is this you know interesting combination that as a woman i have to always over deliver and have to always work twice as hard to prove myself rather than a man who is considered, oh, it's a man's industry. You know, if it's a guy, he must be good, you know, but like for us, it's always for women. And actually I have a girl who also works with me and, you know, we're both like Eastern European, tall, attractive <laughs> and you know it's always this like oh do these you know girls like know this do they know what they're doing do they know what they're doing <laughs> but now what's what's it's interesting is our reputation comes ahead of us so you know we are getting people who um who've heard of us right who've heard of me who followed us and i think finally like you know the hard work starts paying uh, off now you t- you've referred a few times to your your like your jacket. You picked that as your favorite accessory or as your favorite item, right? And you yeah. referred to your clothes a few times as like your suit of armor. Right? Can you talk about how you kind of derive confidence from that, and then how you use your your style and your clothing in the business world? Um, you know what? You are breaking up. Could you repeat that? Yeah, you broke up a little bit, Dana. Sure. Yeah. Sorry about that, guys. Um, I was saying like you pick the jacket as your, your favorite mentor item, but then a few times when we were going when we were doing the ten questions, you referred to your your clothes as sort of your suit of armor. And mm-hmm. I was wondering if you could tell us about like why that is. Like why is it a suit of armor to you? And then how do you use those sort of pieces in the business world in menswear as as part of that to sort of 
I guess, uh, to sort of radiate the persona that you were to that you want to be viewed as. Yeah. Well, that's easy. Um, when a person wears a suit, when a person feels that, you know, they look put together, other people look at them and they think, oh, they have their shit together. You know, they know what they're doing. They probably successful and so on. So um, we watched this interesting video like a few days ago. Um, RuPaul? Yeah. yeah. And he's saying, you know, wear a suit. If you want to be successful, if you want to make more money, wear a suit. And he says, um, it's not, he, it doesn't have to be. Uh, RuPaul, we, there's RuPaul. a video of RuPaul. Yeah. Heard that. yeah. <laughs> and he says, it's not about, you know, you, it's about the story that plays in people's minds. It's the narrative that already exists yes. in the collective consciousness of people. Mm-hmm. Yes. That a suit sort of embodies a meaning and a type of subconscious yes. meaning. And so when you wear a suit, you appropriate that meaning for yourself. For yourself, so exactly. That it projects power, it projects success, it projects confidence in the minds of others. Exactly. Because they've already been uh, programmed to perceive exactly. a suit that way. And as a woman, you know, like, myself, right, dealing with a lot of business people and answering various questions about, you know, the corporate world, for a woman to constantly elevate her professional level, (laughs) she needs to, you know, put on something that has been working for generations as a sign of, you know, being successful. And and she should be consistent, right? She can't just wear a suit on Friday or on Monday and then, you know, wear fast fashion from Zara the rest of the Every time you guys uh, drink from the wine glass, I'm like, oh, oh I want to drink wine so badly now. <laughs> now our dishwasher owns all of our glasses at home. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, in, right. short, in short, the, putting on a um, well-made suit, it just it constantly elevates your level of feeling empowered. Mm. And, and you're susceptible to that programming as well, like we're talking about. It's not just other people who are buying into that. You're susceptible to it too. And, and yeah, you know, so in, in doing so, you're also tricking your own subconscious, exactly. you know, to feel that and like that. Yeah. All right. Really interesting, guys. Well, I want to thank you for your time, guys. It's been a great, great episode. I really enjoyed talking to you. I enjoyed meeting you guys digitally. Um, I hope yeah. you stay safe in New York with all the COVID-19 scariness and New York is uh, yeah. to be hit very hard. Uh, but can you let the listeners know where they can find like anything else that you guys have going on? We'll link, of course, your Instagrams down below. But like you said, you just launched your new collection. Like, Where can they find all that? Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, <laughs> we post a lot of our um, day-to-day stuff on our Instagram. So mm-hmm. it's... Um, Vestium NYC, V E S T I U M N Y C. And my Instagram is Xeikon, K S E I K O N. This is um, where I share, you know, like my style, my life, our life, our dog. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, she's my, uh, what do you call it, documentarian. <laughs> so a lot of uh, my life you see through her. Uh, but you can, uh, you know, Right now, 
uh, on Instagram at Ricky Bejarano, R-I-C-K-Y-B-E-J-A-R-A-N-O. And, um, you know, related to what I do in architecture, in the coming months, what I've been kind of working on, what I see an opportunity for is to sort of create an educational platform for both uh, training and resources in the field of design and architecture. So if anybody wants to follow me on Instagram, then maybe get updates as um, as the uh, as that project develops. Also on LinkedIn, you can follow me, Enrique Bejarano. <laughs> and um, I mentioned the... Yeah. So, so part of this uh, journey, uh, what the platform that I want to create, you know, I'm, I was recently accepted to Columbia University for a, a second master's degree there in um, design and architecture. So um, if anybody is interested in what an Ivy League architectural education is, uh, my platform intends to sort of shadow that and provide people with all the insight, because right now people are looking for training. People are looking for um, how to, you know, make themselves more competitive. A lot of things are on pause right now, but people are looking for like, Knowledge. you know, in, in my field, you know, how do I become a better architect? How do I use this to, to enhance my understanding? You know, a lot of people I know working in the corporate world, it's just like, you know, it's just work, 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 work. And then what, at what point do I enrich myself? At what point do I question, you know, and, and find like inspiration and find better training to make me better at that. So, so if you look, you know, follow me on Instagram or LinkedIn, you'll be updated as, as that project develops, probably launching this summer. Yes. I'm excited. <laughs> and yeah, absolutely. And the same thing for, for us, for Vestium, please follow us and as follow us, how we navigate the new world. We have some great ideas, you know, um, how to stay innovative and relative. Ksenia, um, we have so many mutual friends. Uh, chances are everybody seeing this is already following you. <laughs> no, but Enrique, I, I'm so happy about uh, you joining with, with us for this show because that perspective of architecture in menswear, that's, I, I've never heard that. So that, that was very, very unique for me. Thank you, thank you, man. I, I hope you guys are very safe in New York. And uh, thank you uh, for being a part of uh, this at the very beginning. Um, I really appreciate our friendship and appreciate you guys as a business. Thank you. Thank you for thank considering. You. Thank, you. thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you guys.